You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Hi. <laughs> I'm Kevin David Thomas. I'm Rob Schneider. I just creeped into the room on you. Kevin. Yeah, you did. Hello, Hi, Rob. I'm sneaky, sneaky and stealthy. Yeah, you are. I'm a stealthy one. Oh, is that a little Mr. song you're going to sing? Mr. Thomas. You're Grinch. just to the Grinch, right? Yeah. yeah I was going to nice. do Grinch for you. Uh, speaking of Grinch, are you following this casting controversy with uh, the Edward Albee estate? Yes. I know this happened a couple of weeks ago, but we haven't seen each other in quite some time. I know. Um, I actually I did read a thing about that because he got aggressive and good for him. The actor, I forget his name. I should know his name. Oh, the, but well, you give us a rundown of it. Oh, so anyway, there was a, a theater company, I believe in Portland, Portland. Oregon, mm-hmm. a small theater company that's mm-hmm. doing Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, um, Edward Albee's play. They cast an African-American actor to play the role of Nick. Yep. And the Albee estate said, no more. You're not doing the show anymore. And then we promptly went back to 1962. And, we're- and the Dramatist Guild made some statement. There's two lines in the play that refer to Nick's blonde hair and blue eyes. And then there's a joke about uh, Nick being a member of the Aryan race. And that's, so there's two, there's two okay. lines in the play that deal specifically. Cause you remember there's this idea that Nick is doing genetics and it might be cloning and all that stuff. Right. Okay. So anyway, it's two, it's two lines that don't really have any bearing on the rest of the play. Right, right, okay. right, right. It's not central to like the storytelling. And but like- the Albie, I did not realize how, strict Edward Albee was with casting because big theater companies had to send him headshots. Really? Yeah, and be like, this is our cast. This is who we're looking at for for all of his plays, not just um, not just um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, but all of his work. So th- they, they pulled the rights, and they're not giving the rights, and they're standing by it saying, this is not what Mr. Albee wanted, and everyone else is saying, well, it's kind of 2017 at this point. We can we can move on. Um, yeah, and the uh, have you seen Hamilton? Because they basically say all the same things well, in da- Hamilton. David Cote, who's a brilliant critic, who oh, used I to work him. at Time Out at yeah. New York, and now he's doing his own thing. He said something along the lines of that Virginia Woolf is now part of the classical repertoire. That's right. So the only thing that we can really do at this point is do things like this to help make it seem fresh so you don't feel like you're seeing the same production over and Very over again. Very good point, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I, I get that. So, But I was a little disappointed with the Dramatist Guild statement because yeah. it sort of just was on the fence. It said we're going to protect Edward Albee's work, uh, but, uh, you know, 
know, it's kind of weird. It's not a little diplomatic, a little, little political. It was a little too on know? the fence for me. So I don't, I mean, how do you feel about this? I'm, I'm, oh, I, I or our listeners. Live, yeah. and, live and let live. I mean, yeah, if, that, if some small theater company is going to pay to still, so, so I guess the, the argument is what is Edward Albee's estate losing by them doing this? The integrity of this amazing play by having a man who is not white play this part. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What, what is their concern? Because they're still getting paid the rights for it. They're still getting to, you know, have this work be done and be known by a community. I'll be, apparently I'll be had discussed this at some point before he passed away. And he said, it doesn't make any sense for those characters to, it's a, it's a, it's a realism play. That's the one thing he said is that it's, it's a, it's a realistic play. It's not absurdist. It's not changing, playing around with time. And he said that, um, at that time, there would not have been an African American characters anywhere in those four because one that means that th- th- they would have talked about it. it that it race would have been discussed at some yes, point. And on a college campus, and, and it's weird that they're doing this and they're not talking about it. He's mm-hmm. like, if if George or Martha are African American, is that does that mean there's an African American president at an all white school or is it an all black? It's just, it was all over the place. So that's that was so he actually had something to say on it, even though he's passed away. So that's right. his defense of it. But you were saying, I'm so sorry no, I interrupted I, you. You I, said I hear that, but I also say like. Who cares? I mean, I don't know. I guess it's our generation. Who I, cares? My, you know, like it's theater. It is theater. So I, the I, fact we're talking about it is it's doing its point. But also, that is such a that is exactly what I would think someone would say who is born in nineteen twenty. I forget when he was born, but it, it just seems like a very dated way of looking at it. it it's a play. It's a story by. We, we are making a pact. It's the power of imagination. Mm-hmm. We realize that none of this is real. And even if you want to say it's realism, they are saying lines they have memorized automatically. We're not being real or spontaneous. Totally. They are moving where they've been told to move. I mean, uh, um, they're uh, not. Josh Henry is going to be Billy Bigelow. Um, do you, now was there a, a Barker in you know the carousel in in Maine up in on the wharf back then? I don't know. Well, well that's also creating controversy because now what they're saying is people are going, is it okay that carousel is now going to be about an African American man who's a convict that be Beats his wife. It, white wife beats said, his white wife. No, but what like who what idiot thinks that that's what suddenly this is gonna be about then? You that's, know what I mean? It, like that's just that you're just assuming, not you, but like others are just assuming that now that's how people are gonna filter it. What if there's a new generation that's like, oh, oh yeah, huh? That's cool. I mean, I didn't even think of it like that, you know? They that's how they're they're imposing that on onto the So let me ask you this. So do you so you think that this company in Portland they should do who's afraid of Virginia Wolf? Godspeed, bless. Let's do it. Yeah, live yeah. your life. I yeah, agree. totally. Why not? I mean, it just seems it just seems too precious to say, "Oh no, that's not the way it was intended." So therefore, you theater company, you're not allowed to do that. That just seems silly to me. It just seems to me if they wanted to do a a, a, a where Martha and George are cross gendered and they want to try it that way, I, I say whatever. Whatever, it just do it. It's art. Like, <laughs> who cares? You put something out into the world, and that's that's sort of the. The point. The point of a playwright, right? You put something out into the world and then... Right. You could be precious about your production that you started in the original, and you can be precious about whatever you are involved with, but I think once you release it, you have to let other people um, interpret and maybe do what they want to do with it. And as long as they're saying their words and all of that, I mean, I understand that I'm not a playwright, so it's how easy for me to say all of this, because I'm sure a playwright's like, no, 
it's pressure. It should be the same way every single time. But I think that when something reaches legendary status, I think you're, I think you should be allowed to explore. Uh, and, and time changes, man. It's like, it's been decades and decades and decades. I, I'm trying to think, I don't think I would sit there. I don't, I wouldn't sit there going, oh, this is odd. How yeah. dare they? It's pretend. We're pretending. It's built in. We already know it's not real. We already know it. <laughs> Who cares? Once upon is, a time. Dum, 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 dum. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. You'll be here all week. <laughs> and then this carousel thing should be interesting because they're saying that that's now, unless that. My, I was like, brilliant casting. I thought, yes. You know what? That's Josh Henry's thing? a perfect Billy Bigelow. I he's got sensitivity, but he still can be scary. And I heard yeah. Josh Henry and I'm like, oh my God, what a great choice. Yep. And I was talking to some friends about it. And like, oh, you don't, that doesn't bother you. I'm like, why would it bother me? I'm like, cause like you want a bigger name or something in yeah. that role? Like, I, I don't like us. Like, what's the issue? And they're like, well, you know, he's going to be African American. So Audra winning white. the Tony award in 1994, 95. See, like that wasn't okay. He's going to be good. But then the question becomes, could you do that on something like, you know, you're going to do is like reverse. Like, can you, can you do fences? As an all Latino cast. So here's Can the thing, though. Th- you could argue that uh, who's, who's Afraid and Carousel, while having f- issues and, 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 and relationship topics and all that, is not exclusively about race. Brilliant. So for me, Fences is, is the African-American story and a history and a capsule of a very specific, you know, socioeconomic, racial time and place and voice and august wilson is voice of african-american uh you know and, and so i think yeah no that's like no i'm sorry we can't do that like <laughs> so if the play is specifically about those themes and ideas i think so i think that's okay. why once on this island lynn aarons rewrote the lyrics so that schools can do it where it's not about race you know the, the light-skinned girl light-skinned man and the black girl you know the t-moon and all that but it's about class it's about oh she's of the poor people and he's of the rich people. Do you think a playwright in this day and age when they write a new play has the right to say, whenever this role is being performed, it must be performed by an actor of the male gender who is African-American or who is Caucasian-American? I mean, how do we... Yeah, I know. I, I think it probably depends on the play. It depends on how the playwright and uh, how specific it is to the part. I mean, if it's a trans, if let's say we're doing a new play and it's transgender part, like literally, like Southern Comfort that was done at the public yes. theater, which is literally about transgender. Uh, there is a character in there. You know, you, you. I think you need to hire a transgender actor. I think that is just like a given. You know, it's that is. That, so I guess yeah. I guess we're it's a new world, Golda. It's a you know, new world. Golda. I think that we. I think we're. I don't think there's hard and fast rules either. I. I, I think we love to do that. We love to say no. It's got to be like this, this, and I. I, I think it just depends. I think that's you know? great. No, what that's, about you? What do you think? I. I think whoever is the best person to tell this story, I'm willing to go with. I saw anything goes a few years ago with uh, the Kathleen Marshall directed. I went with an older person, and they were like. You know, I'm not racist. Anytime anyone says I'm not racist, it usually means, and you are racist. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you have I'm, to preface it, <laughs> I'm not against gay marriage. I just, you know, I love gays. Well, <laughs> it's anybody, a sin. It's a sin. Um, there was there was a scene where uh, an African American uh, man and a white woman were walking across the, the the deck of the ship together. They were sitting together. Goes, well, that wouldn't have happened in 19th. That wouldn't have happened. Mm. That wouldn't have happened. It's just not real. Okay. I'm like, I think when they all said blow Gabriel, go blow in <laughs> unison and right? all went into a time step, 
I don't think they did that in 1934 yeah. either, but I could be wrong. You know, that, it's, it's theater. It's the suspension of disbelief. Agreed. Agreed. And if you, I just experienced this with, I mean, this is completely somewhat different, but the imagination of an audience is captivating. As you yes. know, you're a director. Hello, I don't need to tell you this. I just did that one woman show where Carissa played an 80 year old man and herself and other characters. I, I have to tell you that audience was putty in her hand. They liked the 80 year old man almost more than her. I mean, they loved her because she was creating that, but she, you could hit a, hear a pin drop when she was using it was him and and speaking like him. They believed it completely. Audiences will go with you. Yeah, totally, audiences just, will go with you. And if, no. if it's done well, then it's done well. You know yeah. what I mean? It, there could be a really crappy production that tried to do that and try to change things up, but it might have just been a really bad production. <laughs> oh, I think we've seen lots of those. Yeah, you know? right. Wouldn't or, you agree with oh, someone? They were like, "We're gonna we're gonna spice it up by doing something just for different. the sake of it." Well, that's different. Like you said, if the best person that you want to tell that story is hired, then let's do it. Let's see Josh Henry. Let's see this, you know? Who cares? No, I don't want to see um, Andrew Keenan Bolger in Scottsboro Boys. Like, that's not probably something that I want to see. You know, I don't think that's appropriate. No, I mean, I'm sure Andrew... (laughs) No. But Andrew, I love to hear you Andrew's crying right now. like, when I'm gonna go back home, you know? Let me picture him practicing a song at the piano right now, just one single tear. No, that's not, his, that's not, I think that's space. probably not a choice we're going to go towards, but, uh, or like a dream girls that, no, I don't think that, but, oh yeah, but I think oh. some of these other like iconic plays that aren't tied to, by, I mean, a glass menagerie where a Tom is of color. Uh, yeah, sure. You know, who cares? Who cares? I mean, is he, is he a good actor? It. Exactly. Is she a good actor? Who yeah. cares? I just, Isn't that the whole point of Hamilton was showing us that? <laughs> Yeah, they can do it, but nobody else can. Apparently, it gets it gets a little wonky if anybody mm-hmm. else does. So this is anyway. This is a big, a big. Well done, though. I debate. I just wanted to discussion. ask you about it because yeah. we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. I like that. Um, but what do you want to talk about? With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, I have a book. You have a book? Yeah, and you're going to know it immediately. And, and this is something that I'm, I'm shocked that we have not talked about yet, to be honest. And I actually looked back three times now uh, to see if we had actually. Oh, I think I know what it is. Yeah, because you're right. I know exactly what you're going to tell me. Not since Carrie. No. Oh. Close though, the, uh, you, but it's it's you, it's the next one down. It's the season. Oh my God! A candid look at Broadway, nineteen sixty nine, by William Goldman, who you may know, friends, who wrote *The Princess Bride* or *Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid* or many, 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 many other things. Um, in a nutshell, 
um, he made a lot of money off of Butch Cassidy and Sunnets Kid and could take some time off. He was always a lover of Broadway. And so for 18 months, uh, Mr. Goldman, who I believe is still with us, um, Mr. Goldman uh, researched and went to see every single Broadway show and play of that season, uh, 67 to 68. 68. It was published in 69. And very quickly, what does his brother do? Uh, Follies. Yeah, his brother was James Goldman. Yeah. Follies and the Lion in Winter. Yeah. Um, and so some talent in that family, um, but the and Murray Goldman, <laughs> who works at H and R Block, little Alma Goldman. <laughs> um, no, and so in this season, it's and and what I I guess what's fascinating to me about this book is well a. He did exhaustive research. You can tell that this man appreciates and loves Broadway, and he's a really good writer. Um, and I've been told to read this book for years and years and years. Kevin, you love this book. Kevin, it's so fascinating. And it's a dense book. There's a lot to it. I figure, I feel like every single chapter is an essay that you could read on its own. Um, and this is the year that Little Foxes happened. If you're thinking of this Broadway season, it premiered Little Foxes. Plaza Suite was the big show. The Price, which we're seeing this year as well. Um, oh, yeah. And so... I guess what it, and you're, I know you can talk a lot about it because I know you know this book and love it as well. I feel like this is a nice time capsule taking us back to what it was like in the late 60s to see theater because there's a lot of things that they had back then that we don't do anymore. Like the the old lady parties. I say old lady, but the, you know, the way they used to have women, you know, would have these parties and they would fund shows by having like, they would all go to see the show. The theater party ladies. The theater party ladies. That's right. Um, I think it's interesting how you get to see what the finances are like. He spends, he pretty much puts a theme with each chapter. One of the more interesting and dis- I find disturbing parts of it is the way he talks about homosexuals. That, you know, w- we are literally seeing in the 1960s that to be homosexual is like a thing and there's almost like a well, it's like, oh, they're a homosexual, but it's okay. You know? And, yeah, and, and I, I think and I think a couple of people he quotes there use the F word pretty liberally. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, <laughs> it is. And it's no, I mean, he's pretty open and he's honest and it, it's it's not he's not mean about it, but you just see how people thought about certain social, you know, experiences back then, you know, and I, I find that utterly fascinating. But yes, he, he groups um, each chapter. Sometimes he'll focus on one show like um, How Now Dow Jones, and then oftentimes he'll group it together by a theme like these are the shows of plays that, you know were flops because you needed one strong person of, uh, you know, in the show, whether it be the director or the actor or something or the producer. And that if you don't have that, maybe it won't work. Or if you have the wrong person be the, the muscle of the show, then eh, maybe it won't be focused enough. And he really goes in depth and really explains it. Not always saying this is the play, this is what it was about, and this is who was in it. But a lot of times he gives you this backstory. Oh, this, yeah, this you isn't, no, 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 you're absolutely right. This isn't like a dry you know, and then this, and happened. Then this happened and it opened on this date. It's a narration. He talks in the first person. And he gets a lot of backstage stories because it sounds oh. like people let him into rehearsals and meetings. And because he wasn't just some Joe Schmo, but this is the man who wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Like he's connected to the business. People yeah. respect him. And of course they're like, yeah, come on in, Bill. Like let's hang out with us and talk. And you get, yes, you get these real deep insider views of what it was like in the business business in this time period 50 years ago this is the 50th anniversary 50 of the season ago. right yeah 
67 wow. to 68, yeah. I meant for that to happen <laughs> <laughs> on our 70th episode. <laughs> You're so smart. You're um, so tall. It, it, it is just... And what and so the other little side thing that I appreciate about this book, uh, for the musicals at least, and maybe you can speak more about the plays because I don't know as much about plays as you do, but we all know that this time period, hair is included at the end of this book. His experience going to see that. We all know, and you teach musical theater history, and I'm an avid student of it, hair was an epic turning point in the history of musical theater. So we are seeing the cusp of that with these these less successful shows that, that ran. Um, I'm thinking of Fig Leaves Are Falling or... Um, How Now Dow Jones and Henry Sweet Henry and uh, her first Roman and these musicals that we we don't remember today, but the that traditional book form musical was kind of I don't want to say dying out, but becoming less popular and paving the way for a hair. Yeah, because Broadway it's really interesting because usually theater is the first to react to anything socially, just because it's immediate to do so. That's right, and so ironically, the musicals didn't really follow suit. It was movies and television, movies really, that were really going forward because we had this whole big movement in cinema at the time that was raw and more documentary Mm -hmm. style Mm -hmm. and more visceral. And the musical theater wasn't doing that. Musical theater was doing things like, I mean, what's the plot of How Now Dow Jones? Think about it. He's the guy says to the girl, the woman announces the stock numbers, and she wants to marry him. Yep. And he says, "Well, the day the stock market hits this number, then I'll marry you." Yep. Him. And so she announces that number, and it causes panic. And we go, "Oh, isn't that funny, dear?" I mean, think think about the plot we're just talking oh, yeah. about. Oh yeah. Right. Trivial. Tr- very trivial. Very. I mean, kids are getting killed in Vietnam. You know, every night you're seeing it live in living color on mm-hmm. television. People are being assassinated. I think he even talks about that in there, that the Martin Luther King assassination happens. Yeah, that's right. During, I think it was like opening night of the education of Hyman Kaplan. That was the other one. Which was yeah. another. We, musicals were not catching up, but Hair did. Hair was a lone wolf in all that pack. I think people forget that. That's right. And and, and, you, and some people say what they want about the concept of it and the way it was done and... But it it really came at a, a good time. It really, I mean, it, the, the people were ready for something different Absolutely. that reflected the times. Absolutely, and and people thought that's what musicals were going to be. They were all going to sound like hair, and that so, did not happen. No, at all. And and yeah, and I think there can only be one hair, and that's yeah. But the structure changed. How a story is told. Suddenly, the book musical went out. This linear fashion mm-hmm. went out, and we got cabaret uh, company type. And follies and working and all that chorus line where we could play with time and stuff like that. So yeah, I think. Sorry, there was a long tangent. I I fully agree, and that's what this book does: is it raises those issues, and and you you see a real uh, glimpse of of how the times there are changing a little bit, especially with musical theater. Oh yeah, and he didn't know yet, even when he was writing it, that hair would be that you know it would change as as much as it did but you sense it you can tell this i mean the the you're absolutely right what puts this book over though is the writing his writing style is fabulous it's funny it's smart it's incisive 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 insightful yes now once again i just want to remind everyone i'm a professor (laughs) and i could not get out the word insightful but you're pretty. Says who? <laughs> How long have you had glaucoma, Mary? Oh, my God. Uh, 
Oh, oh my gosh, the season. The season by Check William Goldman. Please, God, it's good. it is. I think it's essential reading for You're this. You're so good. Yeah, what a good one. And you can understand why I looked so many times, thinking, surely we've talked about this. before. We've never talked yeah, about it. Oh my God, I'm so happy we so, hit uh, that. So, what's your favorite thing today, Mr. Schneider? Mine. You know what? It's going to be a TV show. Well, facts of life. <laughs> You take the good, you take the... Never <laughs> there mind. It is. Sorry. Charlotte Ray. Sorry. No, you know what? I'm not going to do... Uh, Charlotte Ray's impression's going to go away for a while. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm back. Girls, girls. Girls. Oh. <laughs> I want to sing in Hamilton. Oh. I could be in Waitress. You'll be back. <laughs> she's not King George. I don't know. I'm a liar. No, she's Peggy. <laughs> Eliza. I'm packing. <laughs> no, that's Paul Lynn. Jeez, I only do one voice. This is a television show that is funny on its own, but if you're a musical theater fan, I think you might get some more out of the humor. Oh, of it. this was a television show that a lot of t- modern comedy writers today consider to be very influential on them. But I want to look at the show, not because of the great comedy that it did, but it's brilliant satire on elements of musical theater. Huh? When, some, what decade was this? Ah, the show ran from 1970, oh, sorry, from 1981 to 1984. That's when the show was in its heyday. Yeah, I'm not, there's no way. It's from Canada, eh? <laughs> uh, SCTV? You are absolutely correct. For real? Yes. Wow. Okay, so bear with me. I see, I'm looking over your shoulder and literally bear looking at me. the box sets of SCTV right there. Countless, countless comedy writers, Louis C.K., Conan O'Brien, the people behind The Simpsons, all said they did not grow up on Saturday Night Live. They grew up really on SCTV. SCTV was stood for Second City Television. Second City being the famous improv group out of Chicago. Had a Toronto location. um, And the skits and characters that were created in in these Toronto and Chicago performances were so iconic that Canada decided, can we do an equivalent of SNL? And they created SCT, SCTV. And listen to this cast. Are you ready for this cast? Yeah. These were all unknowns. This was the all unknowns. John Candy, Joe Flaherty, Eugene Levy, Andrea Martin, Rick Moranis, Catherine O'Hara, Dave Thomas, and Martin Short. Not to mention Harold Ramis. Ka- Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy have known each other for that long. Oh, and they're yeah. starring opposite each other in Shit's Creek right now, which yep. incidentally is a fantastic television show. I cannot believe that. There, what SCTV was, if you've never seen it, it's brilliant. The writing is brilliant. The char- They are geniuses. I'm going to s- go on record. I find it funnier than Saturday Night Live. Oh, I, sure. Yeah. Just it's, it's, it's so well-written and so clever. The premise is it's a network in Canada, and you get to see the shows that the network produces, and you see the backstage happenings of the network itself. And there are so many funny skits that you might know, like Ed Grimley, the Martin Short character, wore the right. plaid shirt with the. There's uh, the, the two guys from Canada, a eh? uh, Dave and oh god, what are their names? Oh my god, oh oh my god, you you're yelling it at me right now. It's it's two brother brothers from Canada. It's gonna drive me crazy. And as soon as we stop recording, I'm gonna be like, and <laughs> it's the, it <laughs> please. Mackenzie, the Mackenzie brothers. Oh, nice. I got it. The Mackenzie brothers. Thank God. Eh, where they cook Canadian <laughs> bacon and drink Canadian beer. Uh, there's Eugene Levy's slick Vegas comedian, Bobby Bittman. Uh, there's John Candy, who does Harry, the guy with the snake on his face. It's, it's just genius. But 
the skits were so much smarter than yeah. SNLs. And I want to give a couple of them to you now because they are theater involved. Tell me what what other show did, does this? There's a Christmas parody of Neil Simon's Sweet Plays. There's Plaza Suite, California Suite. Then they did the Nutcracker Suite <laughs> as written by Neil Simon. Oh my gosh, it's so And specific. Dave Thomas and Andrea Martin play Neil Simon and Marsha Mason. What? Who else has a Neil Simon impression in their roster ready to go at any second? It's Joe Flaherty's Alan Alda. Catherine O'Hara is Maggie Smith. Andrea Martin does Marsha Mason, who just cries in every one of Neil Simon's <laughs> movies. So all she does is cry. Eugene Levy is Judd Hirsch. <laughs> it's called the Nutcracker Suite. Then Andrea Martin and Catherine O'Hara do a parody of feminist musicals. They do a parody of I'm getting my act together and taking it on the road in a musical. That's so specific. Here's the musical they do. I'm taking my own head, screwing it on right, and no guy is going to tell me that it ain't. It's a feminist well done. musical. It is one of the funniest things wow. you'll ever see in your life. There's also, this is genius to me. In the 80s, there was a minute 30, a 90 second commercial for a Vita with Patti LuPone. They recreate it shot for shot, and it's called Indira. And it's the story of Indira Gandhi, not Ava Perone. But they literally create a Broadway commercial. Indira! Indira. Yes! No way. They create it shot <laughs> for shot. <laughs> They also do some like celebrity impressions like Andrea Martin does Phyllis Newman. Who does a Phyllis Newman impression? Right. She does Bernadette Peters. She does a character named Lorna Minnelli, who's a cross between Liza Minnelli and Lorna Luft. And then Martin Shorts does a character that's genius called Jackie Rogers Jr., who's an albino lounge singer that only sings from Little Me. He does an animal show where he sings to a squirrel and he goes, pardon me, miss, but I've never done this with a real live squirrel. (laughs) So SCTV is pretty genius. I just wanted to give it a shout out because I don't know if anybody that doesn't do theater be like the Nutcracker sweet. Like, what's this? I I, like, I don't, I don't get, but when you like, I know Neil Simon and I know Plaza suite and I know California suite and they're doing the Nutcracker as if it was written by Neil Simon. Oh, then they do a checkoff play, the cherry orchard where accidentally Mr. Chekhov from star Trek beams himself into the play. And they're like, Chekhov's here. And he and he's like, no, I'm a character from Star Trek. And all these old Russian aristocrats are like, do you want to see the orchard? And he's like, no, I want to get back to my ship. You're like, what? This, it's so, up with that? I don't know. I don't know. But I just wanted to give it a shout out because wow. I think it's so special. And also, so many of these people went on. I mean, we have Andrea Martin, thank God, on Broadway okay. all the time. Yeah. Eugene Levy did encores. He did promises, promises and encores a while oh, back. Yeah. I mean, how I would love Rick Moranis, Seymour from Little Shop, who doesn't he, perform he just anymore. Retired. Yeah, he you know a, why he, he retired? He wanted to be a dad, right? He, his wife passed yeah. away, and he wanted to be a he father to, be to a his dad, kids. To me. But yeah, he wanted no, to be a stay-at-home dad. dad. Yeah, and he could, that, could afford to. So yeah. So listen. Oh, oh, and then the best. I'm so sorry. I just have to end this. More. At the end of the Nutcracker Suite. John Candy plays James Coco. And you're like, who does a James Coco impression? Like, what am I watching? It seems like this show was made for Rob Schneider, 
for 2017. Like they knew that you would watch this and they made it for you. It'll be a sad little gay little Jew 40 years from now. (laughs) He's already read the season. (laughs) What do we give him now? Do you like that? That's that's on my demo. No, I really like that a lot. That's my demo. So mine is uh, SCTV because I think just for the theater parody. I've been meaning to watch that. I I will now. Oh my god! I'll post the clips. The Nutcracker Suite is pretty genius. And mine is The Season by William Goldman. Check it out. Oh my god! Fantastic. Read and watch. Yeah, yeah. Great choices. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. These are a few of my favorite things. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.